0: How's it going lads and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Situation. Of course this is the first episode now that the Premier League season has resumed and with that we have an awful lot to talk about. So in today's episode we'll be recapping Friday night's game against Manchester United. We have an awful lot to talk about there. We'll be discussing some of the big transfer rumours in the last few days. Actually some of them carrying some substance behind them. So I'll be interested to get into that. Um, I'll be covering a bit of the most recent news around the club, including some new contracts being signed until the rest of the season and some new injury news. And we'll be kicking off one of our new segments, which will be Forgotten Fan Favourites, where I'll be diving into some players that we mightn't think about every time you think of maybe our biggest games, our biggest successes in the most recent years, but still some players that we as fans enjoyed watching kind of grace... Tottenham jersey and bag us a few goals or some big performances when we needed them. So let's start off by talking about Friday night's game, which, of course, we all know ended as a one-all draw against Manchester United. So I still have a mixed feelings about how we played on Friday night. I thought the first half we played very well. Now I know Manchester United had an awful lot of the ball, but I thought when we had it, we looked. Like, we wanted to attack and do something with it. Something that we've kind of lacked, I'd say, an awful lot in the last 12 months is when we get the ball, there's no kind of conviction to go forward and actually do something. Whereas, I thought in the first half, we did look quite dangerous. Um, I thought the passing looked quite confident and slick at times. Even from, like, let's say, when you look at Eric Dyer in the first half, I thought he played his role as a ball-playing defender quite well. Something that, of course, an awful lot of defensive midfielders when they play tend to have kind of bring that natural passing ability back with them, but we haven't seen that from Dyer in the last few years. But I thought he looked quite comfortable and quite confident playing that ball, the ball playing defender role. Something that Sanchez kind of struggled with. Anytime he got the ball in the first half, he looked quite nervous with it. So it was nice to see that Dyer was kind of taking that responsibility. Um, But now I thought the first half, like it's, with the exceptions of, like I said, like Davinson Sanchez, I thought, looked quite nervous and shaking at times. I thought there was a, there was a few times where the ball was played back to him, and rather than looking for, let's say, Aurier outright or passed into the midfield, straight away he kind of turned back and just hit it back to Larice. And there was a few occasions of that, and his positioning was quite off. Now, <laughs> when I'm talking about positioning, I'm going to dive straight into somebody else, but... It was quite surprising because even though Davinson Sanchez, he has had some up and down performances of in especially this season. I wasn't expecting to kind of start off shaky straight away, but anyways, he kind of picked that back up in the second half. Um, But when we're talking about awful performances, I thought our year was terrible from the first half to the second. He was, I don't remember a single thing that he done right in the whole game. There was many times in the first half where it was either Musa Sissoko pulling back in, covering him at right back, or Davinson Sanchez kind of pulling out wide and leaving gaps in the defence just because year was dragged somewhere else. It was almost like it was like watching Sunday League football. Sometimes he was ball watching. It was it was letting the play get away from just kind of watching where where the ball's going. But it's nothing that we're not surprised But where year. you know, it's the reason why Tottenham fans are shouting for us to buy a new right back but you know we're, we're kind of stuck with him at the time for the time being I it's kind of it's moments like that when you think like why did we get rid of Connor Walker Peter no he's getting good experience out in Southampton. whether he stays there permanently or not but I don't know I think our year hasn't gotten any better and he he makes me nervous a little bit more every single game Whereas it would be nice to have someone like a Kyle Walker Peter, because I don't I don't think we can get any worse than Serge Aurier at the moment. But um but no, like the first half, like we I feel like we did have positives at least every part of the pitch. Like I thought Bergvine for his goal and I even some other moments in the first half, he just looked electric. As soon as he got the ball on his feet, it was just he was running at Luke Shaw, he was running at Victor Lindelof playing left centre back, and he looked dangerous. And that's what I love to see. Like I thought, it was he caught me by surprise almost. You know, like we of the few games that we've seen of Steven Bergvine, he's looked good, but just straight away he was just going at them, and it was a really good thing to see. And of course, he took his goal really well. It was maybe David De Gea was a bit of fault, but it was a well taken goal nonetheless. Um, Harry Kane, even though he didn't, he had very few touches in the first half when he did get his his hold of play as always was quite good and he hit a few good passes but you know that's they should be extras you know we should be seeing more attack from harry kane and let them be the secondary things that he's good at but i thought he was he was very quiet the whole game it was great seeing harry winks back in the Spurs jersey and musa soko back i thought they played quite well um Again, Moussa Soko was someone in the first half that was quite quiet. He didn't really get involved for, which was which was surprising for a centre midfielder. You know, they should be in the heart of everything. But anyways, he did play quite well. And like I said, his, his kind of tactical awareness to pull back into right back. Anytime that Serge Aurier let him down was quite well. And he kind of pulled back into it pretty quickly. He was always aware of what was going on just behind him. But anyways, you know, he went into the... Into halftime with a 1-0 lead and off, like I said, off the back of a positive first half performance. But it was like, as soon as we came out, we were just a completely different team. We had lost our shape. We had lost our confidence. It was kind of back to the wall from, I'd even say the 50th or 55th minute. It was just constantly United attacking us. Anytime we got the ball, we didn't really look like we had anything got to do with it. It was kind of looking at a Spurs team that we've seen so much this season. And like I would already mentioned, a team that lacks conviction—that when they get in the ball, they're kind of looking around and thinking, "Well, what do I do with it now?" It was a co- contrast in from look. Let's say when you look at Steven Bergwijn in the first half to the second half, electric confidence, run that defenders, and he was just so quiet in the second half. I don't. There wasn't an awful lot that he'd done really well in the second half. I thought Son, kinda he was consistent all game in that he didn't do anything. Um he played a good few passes and switched the play quite a bit, but then you'd have to simple pass and he'd make a mistake of it. And he looked somewhat like a player that was quite nervous. You know, he wasn't running at defenders like we're used to seeing. He wasn't attacking let's say when you look at Wambasaka, is a great right back and obviously known for his defensive abilities. More than going forward. But Son didn't even want to test him. He There wasn't an awful lot of opportunities where Son wanted to just try to get past him. Straight away, as soon as he got it, he was, it was like he couldn't get the ball out of his feet sooner. Which I didn't really like the look of. Because he's somebody that... He, he is such a strong player at running down the wing. Making defenders kind of run back on their heels a little bit. And it would have been a tough opposition going against Juan Basaka, But... And even Harry Maguire, Harry Maguire lacks a little bit of pace. But if he had gotten front the sun at the right moment, the he would have been a good defender. But it's like he didn't even want to test him, which was quite disappointing. Um, actually, a player that I even forgot to mention Eric Lamella. Eric Lamella was like I like I'd predicted last week. You know, he he be looking at these games ahead and wanting to prove to Jose Mourinho that he has a future at the club, and he he did just that in the first half. He was um he was aggressive. He didn't. Fair enough, when he got the ball, he wasn't playing it at Harry Kane as much as I'd like to see him, but he was aggressive in getting the ball, he was running at defenders, he was he was kind of like a little moisture in the middle of the park, and I was really, really glad to see LaMella do that. I really, I'd like him to stay at the club, and it was great to see him kind of play with that chip on his shoulder, but typical sports, you know, you get excited about something and they Cut you down before the 90 minutes is up, so I was quite impressed with Eric Dyer's performance throughout the whole game. And like I said, him playing as the, the ball playing defender suited him quite well. But then, just <laughs> the last 30, 25 minutes of the game, he gives away the penalty. Now, I believe the penalty was quite easy. Do you know? I thought I don't think the referee kind of there wasn't an awful lot in. The challenge to give a penalty, but given it nonetheless. Dyer was late to the challenge, but then, kind of from there on in, every time he got the ball, he looked nervous. He was late to an awful lot of a lot, an awful lot of United's attackers, whether it was Rashford, Martial, Pogba, Fernandes. He seemed to be a step too late. Something that he wasn't doing in the first half, and then of course he nearly gave away the penalty. The penalty. That was a meal was made of it, and of course VAR proved us right and didn't give the penalty. But it was it was just a complete contrast to the first half, where I was really happy to see Eric Dor playing so well, and then of course for him to finish like he did. That's not what you need, and that's not what we want to see. Do you know, it's if you can have a great defender for sixty minutes of a game, but if they're not going to be there for the 30 minutes that you really need them, then how can you rely on them going forward? So I don't really know what the case is going to be with Eric Thor, especially when it comes to this summer, because I know Mourinho likes him. And on a personal level, I think Eric Thor is a great player to have in the dressing room. But if we can't rely on him in the big moments, I don't really see how he's going to have a future at the club. Um, And that's, that's really the bottom line with it. And I suppose just a few small points. We, Lloris, it was one of his better performances in the Spurs jersey this season. I thought he pulled off quite a few good saves, and especially that one late in the game, I think it was a uh, Martial. That got a touch on it, and Lloris hit it over the bar. Um, I thought at the end of the first half, he had a nice little sequence of play with pass and kind of one-touch pass, and Lamella had a flick through, I think it was Maguire's legs. Um... Yeah, like there, there certainly was positives to take out of, and although we would like him to get three points out of it, at least we didn't give up three points to Man United. You know, was, we came out with a draw. We came out with some, so at least there's that. You know, we need to, although we need to be counting points more than positives. At least there was still some positives to take out of the game. Um, but now, like we have West Ham now on Tuesday night, which will be again another big game. They're coming off the back of a loss now over the weekend. So I'm really hoping we can kind of capitalise on that. But like we all already know, this is West Ham's cup final. So they're always going to be up for it against Spurs because it's the only thing that you can get excited about during the season. So let's just hope that the lads show up for it. I'm hoping Mourinho can make a few better selections than he did against Manchester United. And we kind of go from there. You know, we have big games coming up every performance needs to be played like a cup final on this run in so we need to go out there and get three points against West Ham and I don't think we can get anything less so now we'll hop into some of the transfer rumours that have popped up over the last four or five days now one that we had mentioned in the last episode was uh, Munir off PSG so I think we'll start with him he looks like he's potentially gone to Germany. Um, some of the reports coming out during the week is that he's favouring a move to Germany to somebody like Bayern Munich or I think Schalke was one of the teams I was mentioned. So that's kind of a, it's a bit of a a loss for us, you know. Like I'd already mentioned, we we should be looking for a fullback this summer. Um, so it's not really a very positive thing to see that somebody that we could have potentially gotten a free kind of going to somebody else and but saying that you know it's there is still time and there is still targets out there that the club should be looking for you know like max aaron's been off norwich he's been a player that's been the top of our shortlist now for the last year um if norwich stay up of course you know makes that a little bit harder but if they go down i think he's a player that could be capable of playing in the premier league so hopefully we can go after him but it is a little bit of a loss with Munir going to Germany. Now that's not confirmed, you know. This is like I had said in an earlier episode. These are all just rumors, you know. We don't really know what's going on. We could talk for a whole episode about rumors that don't come true. Especially sports fans can agree with me on that. But but now it's it's it is a little bit of a a loss if he doesn't come to us. Well, as far as before I jump into the other rumours, we did see, have some positive quotes from Jose earlier in the week about transfers. So, just before the United game, he was asked about whether Spurs will be active in the transfer market during the summer. And he confirmed that we will spend some money. So, this is a quote from him earlier in the week. I expect us to do some little important things. And if we do our little important things and we improve in two, three positions that we need to improve in, the squad, let's go for it. But I think we are going always to be very balanced, which is what Tottenham normally is. Would I expect us not to do anything and stay exactly with the same squad that we have at this moment? My answer is no. So, you know, not that we would have expected anything less. Now, saying that, and that's a, that's a really important point to make. As Spurs fans, we cannot take for granted or take as a definite that we will spend in a transfer window. We have seen plenty of times, actually as early as maybe three windows ago, going a whole nearly year without, a whole more than a year, without even buying a player. So this does happen. We have seen this happen at our club. And now with the whole pandemic and kind of financial implications on teams going into the transfer market, I would not be surprised if we didn't go out and guess at least a few players, but at the same time, this is going to be Jose's first summer window as for his manager. A manager like him will demand that we get players in. At least one player that he needs, and we've seen that at any other club that he's been asked. So, you know, I think that would have been a guarantee that would have to be in, not in his contract, but at least something that was discussed when he joined the club, that he needs to be given that freedom to get players that he needs. So... I thought that was a really positive thing to see from Jose. But the other two main rumours that we have to talk about today is regarding Ryan Fraser off Bournemouth, who Eddie Howe confirmed earlier in the week will not play another game for Bournemouth, as he will not be signing the contract extension past I think I believe it's June thirty June thirtieth, um, and that he'll be free to leave the club. So, of course, we've been interested in Ryan Frazier quite a bit. Now, there was rumours earlier in the week that apparently we're after cooling off on our interests um, in Ryan Frazier, but at the same time, if he's available there on a free transfer and we've seen what he can do in the Premier League, you know, he's, he's a feisty little winger. He can grab a goal, he can grab an assist, not afraid to run at defenders. And the fact that, what we've already said, he's a Premier League winger, Do you know, Premier League experience, coming in on a free transfer, that's something that we need, and that's something that should get Daniel Levy's attention. So hopefully we can bring him in, Do you know, um, I believe he'd be a good sign, and a good addition to the squad. We've lacked depth in recent years, so I think if we can grab someone like a Ryan Frodo on a free transfer, that'd be a good deal to be done. But then, the last bit of transfer news for today is, regarding, Pierre Emil Hoiberg, who of course is a great central midfielder of Southampton. So we've been rumored to be going after Pierre Emil Hoiberg. I think since since the summer, so summer just gone. Um, we've been rumored to be looking for him. But what had surfaced earlier in the week was transfer rumors that he apparently wants to join Spurs, and that Spurs are interested in bringing him to the club. But. What we've seen um, earlier in the week was that Southampton had stripped him of the captaincy. and He still did play on the weekend for Southampton. I think actually that was on Friday night against Norwich. He, still, he did still play. But I think that's a, maybe a little bit of a hint that he is on his way out of the club. He's spoken out... Um, Publicly, that he wanted to leave the club, so I suppose taking the captaincy from him is a given. But fingers crossed, that kind of in relation to the interest from Tottenham, because I think he'd be a great midfield at the slot in there. Um, I know obviously we had likes of Musa Sissoko, Tangi, and Harry Winks, but you know, I think I don't believe Winks should be our starting should be starting in the midfield. So bringing in someone like a Heuberg would be good. Um, But, but that will obviously come out a price. He's a really good midfielder, good hold of midfielder, excellent pass out of the ball, whether that's short balls, long balls, great at switching to play. And then, of course, he was the captain of that. You know, so he brings that leadership quality as well. Something that we need in... The Tottenham dressing room, of course, we have, like, say, so you a recent Harry Kane, but I don't think you can really lack um, leadership, especially at Tottenham, you know, we're such a, when the players come in, they, we have that family environment and we need players to kind of step up and talk to the lads and kind of get the dressing room going. So, you know, like, if we can get another voice in there to rally the lads before a game, well, there you go, that's, I think that's a positive thing. So fingers crossed we can wrap up a few of them deals. either hopefully Fraser before the end of the season. And if we can get Heiberg when the season ends, that'll be I think that'd be a fantastic bit of business. So before we jump into our new segment of Forgotten Fan favorites, I want to just go through some of the more recent news that we've seen in the last few days and some news that would concern um Spurs and Spurs fans. So News that only came out this morning, um, shortly before I was recording this episode, was that Jan Vertonghen and Michel Vorm have signed contract extensions to finish the Premier League season with us. Their contracts were due to expire at the end of June, so and today was the deadline for any of them players to sign extensions. So thankfully, they won't be finishing their careers at Tottenham on Tuesday against West Ham, that we will still have them for the rest of the season. And I think that was that was a really positive thing to wake up with, especially for Jan Vertonghen. He's been an absolute tremendous servant for the club, and he's been one of my fa- one of my favourite players. I was, I was going to say in recent years, but he's one of my favourite players to ever play for Spurs. You know, he's when I played football when I was younger as a centre half, and he was a player that I kind of wanted to model my game on a little bit, and someone I always looked up to. So. It's good to see that he won't be just leaving in the middle of a season. That we at least have him now for the last eight games, which I, I really do like to see. Um, and then before we jump into some of the other results, news had kind of been rumored last week that um, the top seven in the that finished the Premier League season this year will not be playing in the Carabao Cup next season. So of course now with the Everything that's changed with the pandemic and the lockdown, that will have a knock-on effect to next season. Of course, with this season being extended and all competitions being finished by hopefully the end of August. So we, the top seven having European commitments, they will be ruled out of playing in the Carabao Cup next season. So <laughs> I, actually, I can't even give credit to who tweeted Um I couldn't find a tweet again, but somebody was saying it'll be like the, the pessimists uh, cup final next season. If Spurs don't make top seven, it'll be Tottenham and Newcastle in the Carabao cup final. And if Pochettino, Pochettino takes over Newcastle during the summer, like he's rumored to, and Danny Rose stays there, it'll be a 19th minute winner with Danny Rose. It's just, it'll be such an awful game to watch with between Spurs and Newcastle. Like it always is, you know, it's, I feel like ripping me here every time we play Newcastle it's you just never know which way it's going to go but um now hopefully we don't end up in a situation where we're outside the top seven but I thought that was it was interesting you know that we've obviously seen Man City kind of dominate the Harbaugh Cup in recent years and it'll be I think that would be an interesting dynamic to see who could potentially win that next season but then just the last thing before we jump into um our fan favourites of course some of the results over the weekend had a positive impact on on our situation. So yesterday afternoon Newcastle beat Sheffield United 3-0. So that leaves them just sitting 2 points ahead of us now with their game in hand obviously have to have been played. And then Arsenal who of course lost 3-0 to Man City last week lost 2-1 to Brighton on Saturday. So that leaves them two points behind us now with eight games remaining. So when you're looking at the table now, of course, following our draw against United, that leaves us four points short of them, and they're sitting in fifth place at the moment. Now, I know I'd said in an earlier episode that top five would be enough to get Champions League football if the situation with Man City remains the same. Because at the moment, they have been banned from from European football, I think it's for the next two seasons, but they have appealed it. um. So that would mean top five would be enough for Champions League football. Now, not that I want to rely on that, but when we say, if we said, we're right, for top four, Chelsea are currently sitting in fourth place now on 51 points, which of course is nine points ahead of us. I don't know whether we'll make top four, Do you know, of course we're going to push for it, but. I find it hard to imagine that Chelsea would drop that many points and for us to jump all the way up. So hopefully we finish fifth. You know, I'd be happy with fifth. Um, But, you know, they're four points ahead of us in fifth. We have Wolves, who, of course, won over the weekend, sitting on 46 points as well. Sheffield United, the two points ahead of us. But now we have Palace, who's on level points with us. Arsenal, two points behind. Bornley three points behind. And then even, like... Everton, Newcastle, Southampton they're not even that far behind as, as it is at the moment so it really is going to be a nail biting run in and I'm really hoping we finish with Champions League football you know, I, I wouldn't like a Europa League finish again, it's been a long time since we've had to even worry about that but let's just hope we can drag ourselves into the top 5 Man City have their PR rejected and we're sitting in the Champions League next season That's that's the goal that's what we really want to see. So like I said, today we'll be starting off our new segment. We'll come back to this every time we have a special guest on or you know, we can visit certain times in sports history. But this will be something called Forgotten Fan Favourites. So not to say that we've forgotten these players ever played for Spurs or Grace a Spurs jersey, but these are more when you discuss some of our best players true history these aren't players that would jump to the top of that queue and would, would be one of the first names on a top 10 list but they're still players that you know they've given us some great performances they've been great figures to have at the club whether they popped up with a late goal or or just great servants you know players that the fans got behind um anytime they were on the field so for today's episode i want to go through let's say four of some of my favorites in most recent years so like i even think like when you're looking at what would the model of these players be i think let's say in eric lamela when eric lamela eventually left the club i think he's a player that we're going to look back at and say he was a fan favorite like a forgotten fan favorite not one of the best players to ever play for the club but a great servant, nonetheless, and you know we were always happy when he grabbed himself a goal or had a good performance. So I have four players to go through today, um, and like I said, these were players that I loved watching. From somebody has gone back to, I think the earliest on this list is two thousand and eight. So you know, like I would have been eight or nine watching these players play for Spurs, and they were just, they were great players. Um, some stayed here for. Few years. Some are only here a season, season and a half. But we'll kick off with one of my personal favorite players to ever play for Spurs, Roman Pavlyuchenko, the Russian striker that signed for us from Spartak Moscow back in two thousand eight for fourteen million. Any Spurs fan will remember Roman. Um, back then he. I don't know what it was about him. Do you know, he had an absolutely brilliant goal record for us. He scored 42 goals in 114 games, which is a pretty good rate for when you consider that we haven't had a whole list of amazing strikers in the last 10, 15 years. So when Pavlyuchenko had signed for us, I believe that was around the time that Robbie Keane and Dimitri Barbertov had left the club and we were kind of screaming out for her a striker to pop up and get his goals so we've got Roman Pavlashenko in he was just an excellent excellent player he had some great performances in the Champions League and the Europa League I think his most memorable moment in the Spurs jersey was his late goal against Liverpool at Weyarth Lane I think that was back in his first season at the club but you know he was he was just such a fun player to watch Um, wasn't the most polished player wasn't very skillful, But I don't know, just every time he was on the pitch, you, he had the ball at his feet and you're like, all right, what's he going to do now? Do you know, it was, it's just such a great player to watch and such a fun player. Um, but, you know, like I'd mentioned, he's not a player that Im- immediately jumps to, oh, the top five strikers in sports history or the top five players in Harry Redknapp's area or whatever it may be. But at the same time, he was still an excellent servant for the club and still a player that you look back and say, oh, Jesus, remember him? So, you know, I thought he was kind of fitting of this list. And like I said, he was one of my favourite players to watch playing for Spurs um, and a player that we'll remember fondly when you think back. So then the second player on my list is, uh, of course, he's um, a centre midfielder. Had played for quite a few of the London clubs and he's actually currently the manager of Fulham. So, of course, I'm talking about Scotty e Parker. What a player Scott Parker was. Before he played for Spurs, he was, I believe we signed him from West Ham and he was one of the player. I think did he win player of the year? Or was he in the team of the year? Or does I just know he played really well for West Ham and he was kind of he was regarded as one of the best midfielders in the league, at one stage. But you know, he was—he came in. I think he played for us for two seasons. But he was a very midfielder. You know, like going forward, he could play the key pass. Whether that was through the pocket, switching the play. Gone back, he was a fierce holding midfielder. You know, jumping to any tackle, with any player, always came out with the ball quite uh, well. Disciplined and kind of an old school hold midfielder. Kind of remind you of like a a more box to box Roy Keane, in that sense. Um, you know, he's I thought he's a really, really good player. Um, great person, great person as well. You know, in any interview or any any like moment that you talk about Spurs or his time playing football, do you know, like he was. He's quite a well rounded guy. You know, the players seem to love him, anyone around the club seemed to love him. And even though I don't know, I don't think there's many players that can say they've played for Spurs, West Ham, and Chelsea and Fulham, actually, yeah, when you consider the four clubs, and be thought of quite like fondly by all four fan bases. You know, it kind of speaks volumes about what type of person and what type of player he was. Um but he was just such a great player to watch. So exciting, so such a clean player you know like his, his style of play was just really clean um, clean and polished but again he's he's an art player I just used to love watch playing a Spurs jersey and some great gave it us 100% every single time he put a Spurs jersey on and every performance was just amazing I don't remember him having a bad game as such just such a good player for Spurs and for Every other club he played for. Then number three on this list is, I'd say some would say it's a surprising one. Um, I don't know what it was like when, when he joined the club, it was quite a surprise at the time, and even look at looking back at it, I still kind of, you would forget that he even played for Spurs. Um, so this is former Arsenal captain. And Chelsea defender William Gallas. So, of course, for any Spurs fan, you know, <laughs> watching a player play for Arsenal, and especially a player that was as good as William Gallas was, you kind of have that natural um disliking. <laughs> just just pure, purely by association um, of playing for Arsenal or Chelsea. But when he'd eventually signed for us, I think he signed on a one-year deal or a two-year deal. I know he wasn't here for very long. Uh, it was during when Harry Redknapp was here. He had a uh, he had some good performances, and I thought he was. I've always enjoyed listening to William Gallas talk. He's he's been on Sky Sports quite a few times. Um, as a pundit, and I just think he, his knowledge and his analysis of the game is quite interesting. And he kind of he looks at it in a different way. But he's, he's an interesting person to listen speak about his time at. Uh, Spurs and Arsenal. I, I don't know how long he was at Chelsea, actually. I, I I would mainly associate him as an Arsenal defender more than a Chelsea defender. But um, I think his most notable was we played against Arsenal. Was that back in 2011? I oh, know Ari Redknapp was the manager anyways. And he, had, he was made captain in the North London Derby. And Harry Redknapp said purely it was just out of motivation, you know, kind of the Arsenal play, that role, the players up that, well, like, your former captain is now captaining us in your own ground. um, And that had led us to a 3-2 win over Arsenal. I think that was our first win in the Emirates, or at least away to Arsenal in 17 years and i just like any time i've listened to william gallas or harry redknapp talk about it it's just i always have to laugh at that he made him captain just purely out of just purely to motivate the players and get them roiled up for the game and i thought that was it's kind of something that you wouldn't be surprised of when you think of harry redknapp you know it's definitely something that you'd you wouldn't be surprised at him doing um and speaks volumes about what type of manager and what type of person he is. But, you know, it paid off. I, If I'm remembering that game correctly, that was the one where... Was it Van der Vaart got two and Kabul? Was it Eunice Kabul had got the winner late in the game? Jeez, I'd actually be in, I'm doubting myself now, but I believe that was the game. Um, Because I can, I can almost see the players celebrating. And that definitely does ring a bell. But, you know, like William Gallas, he's, like I said, he's not the first player you'd think of. And a player they'd be forgiven for forgetting that he even played for Spurs in the first place. But I enjoyed his time at Spurs. And like I said, even on a personal level, I quite enjoy listening to him talk about football and breaking down football. So he'd be one of my personal fan favourites, forgotten fan favourites. But then last on the list would, you could argue probably the best player. Um, on this list well him and Scott Parker so this player again a former Arsenal man Um, you could you could regard him as one now not the best I don't even know where you'd put him in a top 10 or top 15 but you could say he was one of the best goal scorers one of the best strikers in in the Premier League era um, I think one of his most infamous moments in his whole career was when he scored against Arsenal for Man City and he ran the length of the pitch to celebrate in front of them. So, of course, at this stage, everyone knows who I'm talking about. It's Emmanuel Adebayor. Um, actually, I'm saying Emmanuel Adebayor, and I can just hear uh, one way mate from school who I'd say has listened to this call him Froggy Boyor. I can remember in, I can't even think of what it was, what class it was, but I just know making a, a fan website for Emmanuel Froggy Boyer. But And he was sidetracked a little bit. But he absolutely killed it when he was on loan here from Man City in his first season. He had uh, scored 17 goals and grabbed 11 assists in 33 games. So of course, like any club would do, we jumped and we signed them. Now his performances after that were a little bit less impressive than he was on loan. Um, but overall, he had scored forty two goals and t- got twenty assists in 113 games for Spurs. He got some big goals, especially like I said, when he was on loan, he was an absolute immense player. Um, I'd say one of our best strikers that we've had in the last twenty years. But you know he was such a he's happy to play for Spurs and was just he's a great personality. Um really fun player to watch, really versatile striker score both feet, whether it was with his head, running at defenders, hitting on the volley, first touch, whatever it may be, you know, you could kind of do a bit of everything. Um and when you're talking about characters, you know, like Emmanuel Adebayor would <laughs> would be at the near the top of that list. He's just such a a funny player, a funny person, interesting character. Um, But no, he'd be, he's one of my favourite players to ever play for Spurs. I just think it's his whole story. It's almost what you could say, like a character arc from being goal-getter at Arsenal. Going to Man City and how celebrating in front of them. I to go to the North London rival Spurs and be successful there. Do you know it's it's just such a a great player, great person, great personality. Definitely one of the best stories we've had. Um, yeah, and he wraps up our list of fan favorites for today. So, like I said, anytime we have any special guests, we'll. Get them to add a few players to that list. Some of their more memorable fan favorites, or I suppose the opposite, of that forgotten fan favorites. Um, and you know, these are just these aren't all of mine. These are just some of my more recent fan favorites. There's so many more to talk about. So many more that you, like I said, you'd be forgiven for forgetting about some of these players like especially like when i'm saying like william gallas you know he wasn't here for very long but when he was here he was a great servant and like i said i i see someone like eric Lamella being that in maybe 10 15 years time when he's long gone from the club long retired and we're looking back and saying jesus remember him you know wasn't our best player by any stretch but when he did play well he point of performance and of course he has some memorable goals to go alongside that his rabona being <laughs> being his most memorable so you know we'll be we'll be revisiting this segment uh some stage in the future and that list will only get longer and longer as time goes on so that's all from me for today um i wanted to say thanks very much for listening and all the support you've shown from everybody you know everything's just been so positive and the messages that i've gotten have been brilliant the last few weeks so i just want to say big thanks very much for that and for staying tuned so time had gotten away from me over the weekend this episode actually was meant to be recorded and uploaded on saturday and then that eventually got pushed back to sunday and (laughs) now here we are on monday recording and uploading it so Although we are playing West Ham tomorrow night, Tuesday night. I'd be surprised if we record the episode tomorrow. Um, it could possibly be Wednesday, but there will be still an episode recorded before the weekend and then probably an episode up on Saturday or Sunday. So stay tuned for them. So what I'm actually hoping for is to have a special my first special guest on, which actually funny funnily enough, it's the one of my best mates. Uh Lucio who funnily enough made the Emmanuel Froggy Boyor fan site when we were back in school. So he's a sports fan just like me. So hoping to have him on during the week, whether that's for the West Ham game or the game after. But that'll be fun. We'll go through the recap of our game, talk about any of the more recent news that comes up, whether it's transfer news or what it may be. And we'll get a few of his forgotten fan favorites and look ahead to the games remaining before this season comes to a close so thanks very much for listening um i hope you all have a great day and i'll talk to you again during the week see ya